If you look at YouTube, one of the most important things that you have is the thumbnail. What does the thumbnail look like? Does it want? Does it make you want to click and watch the video? If you look at, I would nearly argue 90% of the uh, newsletters out there, there's no real brand when it comes to thumbnails. And I think that's such a missed opportunity because if you log on to B2B newsletter and you see everything is black and white with the same logo, or the only thing that changes is the copy and the title, and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll, it's dead boring. Welcome to the Sending Grove Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Redekop. In my day job here at Sparkloop, I spend all my time analyzing how the best newsletter operators and media brands in the world grow and monetize their audiences. I get a behind the scenes look at how they're growing their newsletters and driving revenue every day. And there is so much to learn from their success and from their mistakes. And with this podcast, you get that access too. Every week I sit down with a different guest from industry experts to successful operators and we go deep on the stuff that you need to know about so you can become really effective at growing and monetizing your newsletter. I'm excited to introduce you to Bill Kerr on today's podcast. Bill writes Open Source CEO, a newsletter helping founders, investors, and leaders in tech outperform their competition with deep dives on CEOs like Melanie Perkins of Canva, all the way to interviews with startup leaders like Tony Jamis. What makes Bill's story fascinating is the fact he's a CEO himself. Bill co-founded Athena, a global talent platform in 2018, and he's been the CEO since 2019. In today's episode, we dive into why Bill started a newsletter despite running a remote SaaS startup, how he manages it all, how he intertwines his newsletter and his business, and how he's grown the newsletter to nearly 30,000 subscribers in under a year. Bill, thanks for joining me today. I'm really excited to chat about your journey from CEO to now newsletter publisher. But first, can you share a brief history about yourself and how you got here? Yeah, no, well, thanks for having me, Dylan. Um, pleased to, to be here. Big uh, Sparkloop fan. So yeah, so a little bit about myself. I'm a, I'm a two-time founder, uh, pretty non-typical. I started investing in real estate really young. Uh, then I traveled the world for, I actually had a, I was sick for a, for a year there, had a kind of health scare. I was about 22, 23. Shifted from real estate, success, my portfolio to I want to go and experience things. I want to travel the world. I'm all good now, but it was like a bit of a wake-up call when I was, when I was 23. So I took off and, and, and traveled extensively for probably four years. I had the backpack on my back for most of that time. And then came back, founded my first startup, which was called Adventure Fit Travel. We took people all around the world on adventure holidays for the wellness community. Didn't make any money, but great brand, great experience, learnt a lot. That led into Athena, which is what I do now. So Athena is a talent platform. We effectively align job seekers in Latin America with amazing opportunities in the United States. We have talent all over the world, clients all over the world, but for the most part, the link is strongest between LATAM and the US. We normally work from sales, marketing, product and engineering talent from SDR and account executive to kind of head of this director of that. So that's kind of what I do there. And then recently, so I think we had our first edition in March, but about 12 months ago, came up with the idea that I wanted to start a newsletter. Probably like a lot of people in the newsletter space through listening to My First Million, obviously that's normally the, the, the gateway drug to, to the newsletter and creator space for a lot of people. And then, yeah, it's been really fun. I'm a creative at heart, so it's like, it's my creative, I think of it as art, it's my creative outlet. Outlet. And it's going, kind of seems to be going well. We're growing really fast, people seem to be stoked, and we've got some cool stuff that we have, you know, coming down the 
pipe, I guess. So, yeah, super happy to chat. Keen to, you know, answer any questions and, you know, hopefully people get some, some value. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I'm, I'm really happy to have you on here and uh, excited to kind of go through it. It's not super often that we have, you know, a, a SaaS CEO who is on our show and they're on our show because of a newsletter, not necessarily because of their, their product. So I think it's a really interesting intersection of, you know, what you're doing with your company, Athena, which I would imagine it's basically all remote. If, if I understand correctly, people all over yep. the world managing that, it's got to be, you know, a handful in itself, plus trying to grow the company, et cetera, et cetera, all the, all the duties and responsibilities that come with being a CEO. And then in March, you're, you're like, Hey, why don't I add more to my plate and start up this, this newsletter? So you mentioned that it's a creative outlet, but I would, I would think that there's, there's also some, some business uh, sense in starting a newsletter in terms of content. So can you, can you give us a, a, an idea as to, I guess, more so how you see open source CEO? Actually, maybe first tell us what open source CEO is, who reads it and what, what you talk about in your newsletter. And then, and then talk to us a little bit about kind of the, the content strategy behind it, what you're doing on there and how you're, how you're growing it. Yeah. So basically I wanted to write a newsletter. I thought it would be interesting. I thought it would be fun. I thought it would complement my job as CEO pretty well. And I can kind of explain why, but, but open source CEO. So we help founders, investors, and leaders in tech outperform the competition. That's the, that's the tagline, if you will. But really, what we do is we write deep dives on successful entrepreneurs. We interview su- successful founders that are operating today. And we write original pieces, business stories, and kind of everything in between. So at the moment, it's a weekly newsletter. We're about to, when I say about to, let's say by the end of Q1 of this year, we're going to roll out a second a second piece per week. And I can talk more about that. It's going to be quite interesting. But the newsletter itself, the idea was that I wanted to build build something that's creative. I actually really like writing. I'm a creative at heart. I, I got really bad grades in all of my schooling. I got kicked out of school a couple of times. I was a really problem child, if you will, but I got A plus in everything I ever touched in art, design, creative, media, whatever, because I'm just, that's, I just, I'm a creative, I guess. So, so that was cool. But my day-to-day job as CEO of Athena, I saw a tweet once and it talked about the five jobs of a CEO. And my goal when I saw that tweet was to actually get to that point because as an early stage CEO, you're doing a million things. You're doing sales, you're doing recruiting, you're doing all of the ops. But on my desktop, I have a sticky note that says my job description, nail down the strategy, deliver capital to execute that strategy, build an all-star team, scream from the rooftops, which is communicate internally and externally, and hold people accountable. That, in my opinion, is the job of a CEO. And I am building a lot of what I've I've built at Open Source CEO around that idea. But if you think of that job, so nail down the strategy, what do I do at Open Source CEO? I research successful business uh, figures like a Jeff Bezos, Melanie Perkins from Canva, Sam Altman. I do really, really big deep dives into, into what makes them successful. I process it, synthesize it, and try and teach it through the newsletter. So that's now down the strategy. Deliver capital to execute. I've got now an allyship of 28, nearly 30,000 subscribers on the newsletter. A lot of them are investors. So we get a lot of inbound interest. So deliver capital to execute. It's a positioning piece, the newsletter, but it also will open doors and has and will continue to open doors in the investor space. Build the all-star team. I mean, the one thing that... I and we do well through my newsletter and brand is we have incredible people kicking our door down to work with us at all times. 
Scream from the rooftops is the fourth, that's communicate. This is a major part of my communication strategy is building that, that, that community around me and, a, and it's a community of, of leaders, which is kind of our target market at Athena. And then hold people accountable is the fifth. And to be fair, that probably doesn't play into the newsletter. But if you look at what I'm trying to do with the newsletter and what I do day to day at Athena, you can see that there's an incredible amount of overlap. So yeah, it's been, it's been really nice. The interesting thing is trying to find the time because as a founder CEO, I don't work 40 hours. I work 50, 60, 70 hours, depending on what's going on. There's some periods in time where I look at my calendar and I think, oh my God, I might be able to have a, a normal week this week, you know, 30, 35, 40 hours. It's pretty rare though. So the, the, the struggle for me isn't creating the content, isn't sitting down and writing. It's making sure, and I've done a good job on this so far, but it's making sure the main thing stays the main thing. And the main thing is Athena. That's always going to be the case until I exit Athena. But it's hard for me because I don't talk about, oh, I started a newsletter. Internally in my head, I say to myself, I'm building a media brand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't really have that in-between switch. I have all the way or not at all. So that's the, that's the, 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 the balancing act so far. And in terms of a media brand in your head, is the media brand a an Athena media brand? Or is it kind of two separate entities that work well together? No, so it's it's funny. So how it works is Athena, we incorporated Athena through Stripe Atlas. Athena is Athena Inc., C Corp in Delaware. Sure. Open Source okay. CEO is an LLC through Stripe Atlas as well. LLC out of Delaware. They're actually two separate entities with two separate marketing budgets, two separate expense charts, so on and so forth. They're, they're separate companies. Where we work together is what I do. Athena is a sponsor to Open Source CEO, yep. but that came from our head of growth. We have a big strategy around the creator space, so podcasts and newsletters particularly. So because our head of growth wanted to sponsor my newsletter, we put it to the leadership team. We said, this is what we want to do. We, I didn't want to do the old Adam Newman, you know, I'll buy. I didn't want to have the conflict of interest where I'm you know, having my cake and eating it too. But what we did was we set up a, a deal where the leadership team knew it came from a head of growth and Athena gets 50% ad rates on, they sponsor one in every four episodes. But what we do is, so when we run an ad at Athena, we get a 1% click through rate on the ad, more or less, something like that. Kind of decent, but not great. We're working on the creative, we're working on the copy and, and so forth. But mm -hmm. in the footer of the newsletter in every edition, I have, hey, how you can work together. We've got a tracking link that mentions Athena. And then also in every edition, <laughs> in every edition, in one, two, three or more places, I strategically wedge Athena in there. Oh, interestingly, yeah. at Athena, we do something similar. And we get around a 0.7% click-through rate on the native authentic, well, let's say authentic, authentic placements of Athena. So, so every time I produce a newsletter, Athena basically gets a poorly or a mediocre performing free ad. So, so the two entities are, are quite separate, but we have plans to build Athena's newsletter side, but the media brand of Open Source CEO is the media brand of Open Source CEO. We have plans of if we want to go broad or, or you know, vertical or, or, or wide in terms of yeah. what we'll see on the future. But yeah, that's kind of how it works today. That's really fascinating. I did see Athena sponsor as a sponsor of one of the recent editions. And, you know, just in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's, that makes sense, right? Like you're the CEO of the company and you're going to 
put an ad spot in there. My general assumption was just like, oh, I'll throw that in there because maybe I don't have an ad sponsor for this week's edition or what have you. But it's really interesting how you've kept a very, you know, you've kept those lines. You don't, like you said, do the Adam Newman and have these conflicts of interest between these two separate companies. So I want to talk a little bit about one thing that struck me, I guess I should say, when I first started looking into, into open source CEO was, was kind of the general, just the branding and the vibe around it. You have definitely a unique style. It's, it's eye-catching. And so you mentioned having a creative outlet and wanting to have a creative outlet, always being good in school, getting good grades when it came to art and that sort of thing. So talk to me a little bit about your process. I know you outlined this a little bit in a, in a recent post, but talk to me about your process of like how you got from, you know, point A to where you are now with, with branding and why, because I think a lot of people read newsletters these days and when they're well done, they stand out because as we see more and more newsletters out there, they're more and more almost just like basic article, blase, bland and boring. So talk to me about your, your idea around design, your, your beliefs, your feelings around that, and why you, you've done the way you've done it. Yeah. So have you ever heard of the term pattern interrupt? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So with both of my companies, Offender and Open Source CEO, I've always wanted us to have a pattern interrupt brand. The first example of a pattern interrupt brand, oh, well, first time I, first time I heard the term pattern interrupt was the Dollar Beard Club. So they did a parody video of the on the Dollar Shave Club's video and it went, it's basically beard products. And it was such a funny video. It went so viral that... I remember sitting in a webinar 10 years ago, maybe with the founder and they sold $4 million worth of inventory, broke all of their, broke their website, broke their operations, their funnel, what have you from this one viral video. And I heard the term pattern interrupt and a pattern interrupt for those that haven't heard the term is, you know, scrolling through your feed and something breaks your pattern. It's in your face and you're like, oh my God, what, what is that? <laughs> you initially, you, you want to learn more because you're drawn in by whatever it is, whether it's the brand, whether it's a video, whether it's a piece of copy, it's basically taking somebody who was seeing everything that is all the same through all the media that we consume and grabbing their attention. So I've always wanted to have patent interrupts as brands. Athena is quite a patent interrupt. The brief for Athena, we have this psychedelic look with Greek god statues and so forth on the website. And the brief was the Greek gods in the sky and the clouds on acid. That was the brief. It was actually, we had a small uh, mood board that we gave to a designer that we really trusted. He's now actually works full time with us. And we said, that's the brief, the Greek gods in the sky and the clouds on acid. When it comes to open source CEO, we, we coined the term dirtbag chic. That's what the brand look and feel is and why we kind of did it. So we've got a really great creative team at Athena and they were helping me with some stuff. Hey, Marcia, do you think you can take a look at what I'm, what I'm building here? Hey, maybe we could add some of your illustrations. And I was using external help to kind of build the initial brand of open source CEO and it became really cumbersome. So what I did was I thought, okay, I'm going to give myself two minutes and I'm going to try and create a brand on Canva. And that's what I did. So we have a very loud brand, a very in-your-face brand, but it's also a pattern interrupt. It's supposed to look dumb. It's supposed to look silly, but it's also kind of cool. It looks nice. It grabs your attention. Yeah. So totally. what, I, what I was thinking also with the brand is if you go on, and I won't really mention, I, I won't mention some of the, the newsletters, but I've got a lot of great creative friends and some of their newsletters are phenomenal and we give each other feedback on all elements of what we're doing as creators. And some of the feedback I've given a couple of my creative friends and I see it just across the space at large is there is no brand when it comes to landing on someone's, you know, ConvertKit or website on ConvertKit, Substack, Behold, whatever it is, there's no brand. So if you look at YouTube, one of the most important things that you have is the thumbnail. What does the thumbnail look like? Does it want 
Does it make you want to click and watch the video? If you look at, I would nearly argue 90% of the uh, newsletters out there, maybe not 90%, but let's say 60%, there's no real brand when it comes to thumbnails. And I think that's such a missed opportunity because if you log on to B2B newsletter and you see everything is black and white with the same logo, or the only thing that changes is the copy and the title, and you scroll and you scroll and you scroll, it's dead boring. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that we weren't that. And then when you actually click through the newsletter, I try and keep it fresh and silly and a little bit unique. I've been kind of, I've got a bit of a relationship, kind of like a creator buddy with Hauk from Hauk's News. I did a guest piece with Hauk and I basically wrote it and then he kind of tweaked it and we published it. And my first draft, he was like, nah, there's too much fluff. This shouldn't be in here, whatever. And I realized that we write totally differently. He writes very much like Lenny, where there is not one extra word than need be in the piece for value sake. He's optimizing for value. I'm kind yeah. of more like Packy McCormack. I like to think like not boring where there's value in there, but I optimize for probably entertainment with value you know, mixed in the middle. So I've tried to be different. I've tried to make it entertaining. I've tried to make it stand out. I've tried to make it a, a pattern interrupt. And I think it's going well. You might not know this, but before I joined the Sparkloop team, I used to run a weekly newsletter of my own. In a couple of years, I had grown my newsletter to over 5,000 subscribers. But back then, monetizing was really hard, especially as a bootstrapped newsletter founder working nights and weekends. I look back now and think, man, if only Sparkloop's paid newsletter recommendations tool had existed back then. From those 5,000 subscribers, I'd have earned more than $10,000 in extra revenue with zero extra work. It would have been a game changer for my indie newsletter business back then. And it's a game changer for thousands of the world's best newsletters today. This year, Sparkloop is on a mission to pay out over $50 million to smart newsletter operators just for helping your audience discover other amazing newsletters that they'd love to read too. Head over to sparkloop.app, sign up for free in minutes and unlock life-changing newsletter revenue today. Now back to the show. Um, so we've talked about branding. You, you've been, I think you've been doing a great job on it, A, because, you know, I just visually, I could tell, I could see that, that it's good. The re- the writing's well done. It's not just extracting value out of every piece of word. It's more, there's more personality behind it, dare I say, uh-huh. which is maybe needed in the space. I guess you, you've now grown, like you just referenced uh, a little while ago, the newsletter to 28 to 30,000 subscribers. And so I'd say that also is some pretty, you know, strong indications that since March of 2023, so less than a year from when we're recording this nine months ago or so, you, you've grown pretty substantially. So I'd say, A, yes, I think the branding is working, but I'd, I'd love to talk through a little bit about your growth. Again, referencing your year in review post, you kind of mentioned like, yeah, it's kind of a pretty boring trajectory for growth. But for those who haven't read that article and maybe don't understand as much, they're CEOs of a company maybe, but they want to start a newsletter. Talk about sort of what your mindset was and how you went through your your stages of growth from like zero to 250 subscribers, then you know up to 1K to 10K, et cetera. Well, I actually have had a news uh, a newsletter for nine months, and I also had uh, two podcasts in the past. One for a couple of years, and one we did ten or twenty shows with Athena. We may pick it up in the mm. future, what have you. But I've grown, I've grown a podcast with. I had no social audience. This is ten or twelve years ago, from zero listens to twenty thousand a month in twelve months. We grew twenty two percent a month for, for for a year, and then we kind of got inconsistent, and we just fell off, and, and what have you. But I've grown a podcast and attempted a second podcast to grow, and I grown a newsletter i find newsletter growth i find it incredibly easy and it's it's not or simple okay i keep hearing the 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 phrase simple not easy that's probably a better phrase 
So the way that I grew the newsletter initially was I've got a little bit of a social profile on LinkedIn. So I just reached out to my network. First step is, hey, I'm launching a newsletter. It's going to be for founders, investors, and leaders in tech. We want to help you outperform the competition. Here's the sign-up page. So I probably got to four or 500 before I published an edition. My buddy, Tom Elder from Strategy Breakdowns, he worked strategy at Atlassian, and now he's just gone full-time as a creator. Tom, he's such a good writer. Tom had five or 6,000 subs in three months before he actually published his first, first edition. Incredible. So, so that's a, a pretty interesting way to go about it. I didn't really build the audience, build the audience, build the audience before writing the first newsletter. Tom did. He had five or 6,000. So it was incredible. But I got 500 from the initial post. Then I started doing a little bit of hustling. So I would reach out to people who were in my network, people that were founders, people that I thought would be high value readers. So for us, it's great to have 100 people sign up in a day, but it's much better if there are 10 people that are Series C CEOs, you know what I mean? So quality of the reader rather than quantity of the reader. And with some of the channels that I'll talk about in, in a moment, we have a survey, so we can see where people are coming from, what their job title is and so forth, but we can't control it as much. So I did a lot of grunt work. In the early days, I reached out to a lot of people that were in my network. I probably got it to 1,000 doing you know, the launch and then a little bit of grunt work from my network. It's basically the same trajectory as you see in any blog about how do you get how do you get from zero to ten thousand subscribers. The next stage, I ran a few ads. I've got a fair bit of experience with Facebook and well, with Facebook ads in the past, but Twitter's the exact same. The back end's a little bit clunkier, but basically, you know, very similar. So ran a yep. few ads, then I stumbled upon Beehive's Boost Network and Sparkloop. Actually prefer Sparkloop. I'm a big fan of Beehive. ESP is Beehive, but I prefer Sparkloop for growth. It's phenomenal. And we're not paying you to say that, right? Nope, nope. But I will now ask for it. <laughs> after <you go. laughs> Sounds good. But, Your check's on the way. <laughs> but Sparkle was great. So we played around with Facebook and Twitter ads, but there's a fair bit of legwork to have social campaigns working. So when it comes to Sparkloop and Beehive Boost, it's kind of growth on autopilot. So I have a really nice brand and I think the content resonates with people. People like it. So a lot mm-hmm. of my favorite creators inside of the network, all applied to boost my newsletter. And that's phenomenal. I've got a lot of creators that I really respect that send high quality subscribers across to us. So from the stage from 1,000 to say 5,000 was a combination of Sparkloop, Beehive Boost, and actually refined, refined ads. So refined Mm. is a daily newsletter and you can run ads through it. When I started with refined, they said, oh yeah, normally we look at a $2 cost per subscriber. I said, yeah, okay. And I had a budget of $100 a day or something like that. And we were getting to that budget within hours. And I thought, okay, well, that means that if supply and demand wise, I could probably on the next time I run some refined ads, lower the CPA. So I ended up getting subscribers on refined for 75 cents and I would fill the budget in a day. But it wasn't that great because refined ads had a 35% open rate. Whereas I'm paying $2 on Sparkloop, but it's a 78% open rate with like a, with a much higher click rate as well. So I've moved away from Refiner, had a little bit of a play there. But when, when I went from, when I got to 5K, I started experimenting with acquisition. So we've now acquired four newsletters, all between 2,000, 6,000 and 4,000 subs. But what I do is okay. I do a reactivation to the dormant subs. Not many of them click or, or open. And then before I integrate, I get rid of all the, the dormant subs. So, so of the 28,000, probably 
8,000 has come through acquisition. But yeah, I have other channels working. So lots of referral stuff, lots of getting PR in different places, guest posting and so forth. But it's really been, Sparkloop has been the biggest. Refined was decent for a time. And then acquisition is interesting because there's a lot of newsletters right now and I don't think many of them are written particularly well or monetizing. So you can pick up a newsletter for a dollar per sub, per engaged sub or less. And that's what we've been doing. It's been working out pretty well in that regard as well. Very interesting. I think it's that's something that is becoming more prevalent in the space is you know acquiring newsletters, selling newsletters. But what do you look for when it comes to, what kind of newsletters are you looking for when it comes to acquiring? Well, I've been experimenting because with Open Source CEO, mm-hmm. we have B2B you know, interviews, deep dives, strategy breakdowns and so forth, but we also have tools and resources. And the tools mm-hmm. and resources are tools and resources that we use internally at Athena built in Notion. So OKR templates in Notion, swipe file templates, a million different templates that make somebody's day easier. The first acquisition we did was actually a Notion newsletter. I thought, okay, cool. We're going to have lots of paid tools soon. We have a few that we're about to release. Everything's been free up to this point on on our tools and resources. We're going to have some paid tools. So I thought I want to explore, this was a very small acquisition. I want to explore a Notion acquisition. So I did a Notion newsletter acquisition and the open rates ended up being around 38%, which is kind of low, but high click-throughs because a lot of our tools and resources, obviously you've got to click through and we have them stored on a Gumroad Gumroad page. So about 5% click-through, which was pretty decent. Then I've done two just B2B acquisitions, which is pretty similar audience. Those open rates have been around 45% with 5% clicks, which is really good. And then we're also experimenting right now with an AI newsletter, we've just acquired it and we're about to start to integrate it. So the reason I wanted to do that is we don't really talk about AI at Open Source CEO, but who subscribes to AI newsletters? I would argue, and from what I've seen in a lot of the data that I've seen when we were trying to purchase AI newsletters is founders, investors, and leaders in technology subscribe to AI newsletters. So my bet there is that yeah, we don't focus on AI, but we focus on really good content for founders, investors, and leaders in in tech. So that's going to be an interesting experiment, which we'll have the data from in, let's say, four to six weeks. And the reason I wanted to do that is because there's going to be an absolute plethora of AI newsletters that are up for sale in the next 12 to 24 months. So if we can integrate it and it's successful, we can acquire a good subscriber on Sparkloop for $2.00. But it's also pretty interesting to acquire a newsletter if you can get a good audience for 50, 75 cents, you know, a dollar per subscriber. So so that's what we're doing with acquisition. I think there's going to be a lot more of that. I know Hauk's done a couple. I've seen a few from other creators in the space. And that'll be part of our strategy moving forward for sure. It's worked pretty well so far. So it's essentially uh, acquisition and you just merge in all of those subscribers just into the open source CEO. You're not running these newsletters as standalones as one of our other users is is doing with Stacked Marketer. Recently in 2023, he purchased, I think it was Psychology of Marketing newsletter, but they're still operating it as like, you know, a standalone newsletter. So you're just purchasing the audience essentially. Yeah. Rolling them in. I mean, we've been doing yeah. it in a, in a, we've been doing it in a staged way. So the first time we, we did this with the, the Notion newsletter was we purchased the newsletter and then from the Substack newsletter, we did a, we've been acquired post. <clears throat> oh, exciting news. This newsletter has been acquired. Thanks so much for being a 
you're part of the community, I'm going to hand it over to Doc. My nickname is Doc. Yeah. I'll hand it over to Doc and he can tell you about Open Source CEO and all the exciting things happening. So first thing we did was we reached out to the audience that we were purchasing through the newsletter itself. I said, hey, this is, this is Doc here. This is what you can expect in Open Source CEO. The next newsletter you'll see will be from Open Source CEO. So expect that in your inbox. So what we did then was we send on Saturdays, but for a month, we had the Saturday send, but also a Tuesday, or it might have been Wednesday, a midweek send, which was one of our best pieces of content. So, and in the entry to every newsletter, we segmented the new audience. And in the entry, the first kind of paragraph of the newsletter on the midweek send and on the Saturday send, we reminded people of who we were, that we'd acquired the, the Notion newsletter, and that this was open source CR, and this is why they were going to enjoy it. So we tried to do it in a in a, in a staged way, and it works pretty well. I mean, these newsletter acquisitions, I saw Hauk do one first, and then I followed along a couple of other creators and they're, you know, building an open post about acquiring newsletters. And just like all the others I've seen in the space, the unsubscribe rates are incredibly low. They're wow. unsubscribe rates that you would get from sending out a newsletter to your existing audience. Maybe they're a little bit higher, but it's not like... 40% of people say, I don't like this newsletter, I'm going to unsubscribe. It's not like that. It's pretty reasonable open rates to good open rates and pretty decent click-through rates. And we have a, a pretty, we have a good automation for cleaning our list. So after 60 days, we have a pretty engaged, pretty good audience and we have good content. So we back our content in. That's kind of the, the, the thinking around it. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. I, I had no idea that's, uh, that was part of your strategy. So that's a really interesting, uh, interesting nugget. And I want to quickly ask you, what, what is the big picture for, you mentioned, you know, I'm running a media business, kind of go big or go home with open source CEO, but you are, you do have these two businesses. What is the big picture for open source CEO? Where do you, where do you see that going? Like, what is the, the end game for you? Yeah, well, there definitely isn't an end game because I expect that I'll be the CEO of Athena for, some time to come. It might be three years, it might be 10 years, it might be 20 years. I don't really know. But that's my main mm-hmm. gig. But I expect this to be my passion project. Or once I do eventually leave Athena, whether it's, you know, I replace myself, whether it's via exit, I expect yeah. this to be, you know, this to be what I do. I really, really enjoy it. I've never had writer's block. I've never sat at the keyboard and thought, oh, what am I going to write about today? I sit down and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to just sit and write about Jeff Bezos, for example. I'm releasing a Bezos <laughs> edition this, this weekend. It's, nice. it's awesome. So there's not like an, there's not an end state yet anyway. All the revenue that we made through Open Source CEO, I've, I've not touched any of it. it, just goes straight back into growth. And I mean, I don't have a high salary at Athena. I pay myself the, the average rate for a, a founder doing our revenue at our stage and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. I don't have a crazy salary, but I have a salary that I live off and I don't need any money from open source CEO. So my plan is to be the Lenny of leadership, really. So if you look at Lenny, mm-hmm. Lenny's content is product and growth, really. Strategy, product, growth and strategy. But it's kind of more in those domains and that's really applicable to a, a leader in tech. But I plan to be the Lenny of leadership. What I want to improve with the newsletter in 2024 is I always use the two analogies of Lenny, Lenny's newsletter, and Packy McCormack, not boring. So mm-hmm. Packy's probably one of the two or three newsletters that I star in my inbox every time I receive one and I make sure I read it because I just love the way he writes. I'm more towards Packy's side, which is 
entertainment with value, whereas Lenny is straight value. So what I would like to do in 2024, by the end of Q1, so you know, by the end of March this year, we're going to roll out the curriculum, we're calling it. So the curriculum is the midweek pieces. So at the moment, we send, we send a bonus piece in the middle of the week from time to time, but we're a weekly send and it goes out on Saturday afternoon, US time, basically. So okay. by the end of this quarter, we're going to roll out the curriculum and the curriculum is going to be value only, basically, and it's going to be our paid offering. You'll be able to receive 80% of everything that, that Open Source CEO does now and forever. So all of our posts will be open to, for the most part, in the curriculum with maybe 20% that is gated. So tools and resources might be gated. Maybe one post a month might be gated. That'll kind right. of be the, the, you know, to drive the paid community. But yeah. the curriculum, what we're thinking is at the moment, I have a bit of an MVP and it's around the job of a CEO, which I mentioned earlier. So... It's around strategy, capital, recruiting, communicating, and, and accountability. So the first pieces in the curriculum are going to be under those five umbrellas. We're going to have five to 10 pieces that will come out in a structured way every week around nailing down the strategy. So how to set goals, how to manage goals, what are OKRs, other ways to craft your product strategy, so on and so forth. Capital, recruiting, so on and so forth. Because what I want to do with Open Source CEO is I don't want to just be entertaining with some value, I want to have an offering for people to be able to be better in business, really, really better. I want it to be able to help early stage, normally early stage, probably let's say C to Series C, earlier stage founders in tech, maybe we're in the trenches together or some of the things we're a little bit more advanced, but I want to help them be better at their job day to day. And I think we can do that through the curriculum. So the end state is I have an amazing creative outlet, a great community allyship, and yeah, I want to be the, the Lenny of leadership. And I think it's just managing time, managing yeah. my workload and, and, and making it happen. That is probably the trickiest part, I think. Leads me really nicely actually into the kind of a, the last question. And that's, what would you say to a CEO of a business your size who is considering doing a newsletter? Well, I have a couple of pieces of advice. <clears throat> so I've been a creator in a couple of different formats. Like I said, I've been a podcast host. I've been a newsletter Writer, I tried. I've tried to do Instagram face down the barrel of the camera, you know, talking talking head style. And I think the most important thing in being a creator in general is to remove as much friction as possible. So when I take out my camera and I stare down the barrel and try and talk to the camera, I find it incredibly, incredibly difficult. I have high levels of anxiety, and the product sucks. So I'm not going to do that. I know that that's not my strength and I don't really want to try and turn it into a strength. I'm just not good at it. I don't enjoy it. It brings me anxiety, not joy. So scrap that. When it comes to podcasting, I was really comfortable at podcasting and I was pretty competent as well. So I always used to say that I don't think I was a great podcast host, but I could, I could interview Arnold Schwarzenegger and I wouldn't break a sweat. It just wouldn't be the greatest content. So there was a little bit of friction there always. So I've done podcasting. I might go back to it in the future, but probably not. When it comes to writing, I find it incredibly peaceful and I find it a joyous experience. I go and grab mm. a coffee. I get some sparkling water. I put on my favorite, you know, focus music and I write and I just, I've never had writer's block and I don't ever assume I'm going to. So the first thing, if you're a busy founder, CEO, leader, investor in, in technology and you want to have a creator brand is you have to figure out what is going to have the least amount of friction? Because if you have 
no friction and it brings you enjoyment, you're, you're actually going to do it. That's the key because consistency is key. So you have to find out what works for you. And for me, it's writing. So that's kind of my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice would be that you don't have to do it all yourself. We have two main formats with Open Source CEO today. First is an interview piece and the second is a deep dive. And the two are wildly different in the investment that I need to make time-wise to, to make the piece happen. So for example, if we're doing an interview with a Series B founder, I have a, a number of questions that are my template questions in a Notion doc. And then I'll tailor maybe three to five questions dependent on their industry, their experience, what I think will be most interesting. And I send it to them in a Notion doc. They write the answers. And then we right. have a couple of sets of revisions and that's it. That's a very, very low lift for me. So if I'm doing an interview piece, even if I'm creating some automations, I'm building a few new segments, I'm improving this, that, or whatever of the newsletter, I'm probably only spending three or four hours a week on the newsletter when I'm doing an interview yeah. piece. When I'm doing a deep dive piece, it's very different. I've had interview deep dive pieces, excuse me, that have taken me 12, 16 hours. And it's normally, oh, I'm going to do this on Friday afternoon. Then I'm going super late into Friday night. I'll finish it on Saturday morning and then I'm scrambling to get it out by Saturday late late afternoon. So, so the, the deep dive pieces are different, but I have a content assistant. So what we do at Athena is we build, we build global teams. So we actually work with a bunch of creators in having copywriters, media buyers, editors, content assistants to help them do more with less effort. So for me, in, in my example, I have a content assistant named Bia. She's a 22-year-old Brazilian girl and she's incredible. So she sets a lot of things up so I can kind of knock them down. So all of the research for our deep dives is done by Bia. She okay. also does all the all the AI research, all the all the research within LLMs. So what we do when, when writing a deep dive piece is we ask, let's use Jeff Bezos for example. We ask both Chat GPT and Bard. We're doing a deep dive on Jeff Bezos. How would you structure it? It gives us the answer. We put it in the Notion doc for the research. Then we ask, okay, knowing this, if you were to structure the deep dive piece in the format of the hero's journey, how would you structure yeah. it? So that's for the storytelling aspect. If you are optimizing for learnings, how would you structure it? And what are the most interesting pieces of information on why Jeff Bezos is successful? So we do LLM research and then Bia synthesizes that and creates a bit of an outline that I can kind of run with. And I look at the research, I look at the prep, the, so forth, and then I, I but, but all of the heavy lifting, assets, creative assets, research for different blog pieces, quotes that have been pulled out, it's all done by my content assistant. So although I say that I do only a few hours per week, there's a lot more work that actually goes into it. I just don't do right. that work. So I would recommend that anybody, anybody that is building a creative brand or wants to launch a podcast, launch a YouTube channel, launch a newsletter is to find what actually works for you and has the least amount of friction and then to figure out how you can do the valuable stuff that you enjoy and none of the grunt work. For the podcast that we had, I used to record the podcast, I would put it in a Google file and then I would never think about it again. Our team would turn it into a YouTube full piece, three pieces for the Clips channel, two Instagram stories, two for the Instagram feed, show notes, and so on. It would all happen like magic. And I would, that would do the, the, the talent booking as well. So get help, figure out who on your, on your marketing team, on your communications team can actually do the grunt work. And my third piece of advice would be just start because, I yeah. mean, everything is going to suck at the start. If your content sucks, no one's going to read it. 
So it's a free hit and you'll get better over time. I'm a much better rider than I was nine months ago and I'll be a much better rider again in another nine months from now. So mm-hmm. that would be my piece of advice. I think we're going to see a lot more of this CEO, founder, executive, investor brands in the future. And I think it's great, really. I think it's great. And just lastly, how have you felt the impact with Athena since you started Open Source CEO? Yeah, it's awesome. The team really love it. You know, every time I release a piece, our leaders, our individual contributors, people reach out. Oh man, that was super interesting, super super awesome. But it's also created a really steady pipeline of 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 lead flow as well. So it's actually really funny because we have the ads that we run in the in the in the newsletter, and they have a form. People land on the form and put in their details, and we haven't had so many people fill out the form, and we've had. Much less than we would have assumed, but my pipeline of my network has exploded. Yeah. So because people people feel like they know me because I have a bit of a brand on LinkedIn and I write the newsletter. So I get people reaching out to me all day, every day in my DMs. Hey, Doc, we're looking for a media buyer. We're looking for a content assistant like we've heard you talk about. We're looking for a SDR, an account executive or a developer or whatever. The only thing that worries me is I never want our team to think that Athena is not the main thing. That is one thing that I'm conscious of. I think it's everything about open source CEO is positive and additive to Athena. I'm very mm-hmm. conscious that I don't want people to ever think Doc's a creator now. He doesn't care about Athena. That's the one thing that doesn't keep me up at night, but I'm hyper vigilant to avoid. But yes, it's super so far. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing all that. There's a lot to synthesize and that I'm looking forward to break down when we review this podcast and publish it. So a lot of great, a lot of great nuggets you share with us, Bill. Can you share where people can find you on social media, follow along and where they can, where they can subscribe to your newsletter? So, I mean, I'm not super active on Twitter, but you can find me on Twitter. LinkedIn is where I do most of my social stuff i guess <laughs> you can just search me on on linkedin you'll find me no doubt athena mm-hmm. is, is my startup it's athena with a y a-t-h-y-n-a dot com so if anyone's looking for for talent of any sort sales marketing product or engineering we're a pretty good fit especially in the creator space we have a lot of creators that we work with like i said to help them continue doing the fun part rather than the grunt work and then yeah my newsletter is open source amazing Thank you, Bill, for stopping by and hanging out with us for a bit. Um, Looking forward to seeing what you do in the future and all the best in uh, 2024. Cheers, Dylan. Keep up the good work at Sparkloop HQ. Big fan. (laughs) Thank you. We will. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Send and Grow podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like and subscribe to show your support. And we'd love to hear your feedback. So drop a comment below letting us know your number one takeaway or share with us who you think we should interview next. All of the links for the show are available in the description below. Thank you so much for your support and we'll see you next time.